this evening to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. As we're going to begin in verse number 5 tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to try to get down to verse 16. Moving as quickly as I can. I see all those looks. See all that. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Notice with me what Paul says here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Now Paul gives us here this description of our Lord, verse verse number 6 down through verse number 11, as he's describing for us exactly what he means when he says, let this mind be in you. And he describes here the, the, not only the, uh, the humility of our Lord, but the, uh, the subsequent glorification of Him as well because of that humility that He gave Himself to. And when Paul says, let this mind be in you, he's not talking about us elevating ourselves because of the promise of the glorification of our Lord. He's not talking about doing that, but rather he's telling us that we have the mind of Christ that just as Jesus submitted and humbled Himself to the will of God, you and I are to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the will of God in our lives. That that very mind be in us. That we not be, that we not be looking to self, that we not be looking to our own power, that we not be looking at our own hearts or our own direction, but that we submit ourselves to God that we humble ourselves before Him, that we would be found obedient to Him. 
as our Lord was obedient to Him. And so he says, let this mind be in you. That same, that same mindset of obedience, submission, and humility that our Lord took upon Himself, we also should take upon us. Now Paul gives us, he gives us that, that reality there of, of why it's such a, a stark thing in, in regards to our Lord. And the fact that He would have this mindset. Because He tells us there exactly who He is. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Who, Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I mean, He's God in flesh. That's what Paul is telling us there. Jesus is God in flesh. He was, he was here on this earth in, in every way. He is God. Same power, same glory, same, same attributes. He is God in flesh. And he, he made himself, he says there in verse number seven, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Even in His coming to earth, He did not come at this time in power and great glory. He could have done so, but He did not even at this time. And if he, even choosing to be born as a babe in, in, into this world, he, he could have chosen to be born at least in a king's household, but no, He, he chose... A carpenter's home. Born in a stable. Even in placed in a manger there. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And being found in fashion, he says verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Which the Scripture tells us, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. And our Lord submitted himself to the lowest of deaths. To the lowest of deaths. In obedience to his Father to save you and I. Wicked sinners as we are, he submitted himself to this death. And so this is this is what Paul is showing us here. Truly what our Lord gave up. And listen. <laughs> This was a big step for him to humble himself. For him to submit himself. For him to be made obedient. Even as the Scripture says, learned obedience. He's God. It's a big step for him. It's not one for us. We like to lift ourselves up. We like to think highly of ourselves. But we're not. 
We're sinners. Depraved. Undone without Christ Jesus. And so it's not a big step for us to be humble. It should not be a big step for us as God's children to be obedient and submissive to Him. But oh, how our wills and our hearts get in the way. Paul says, let this mind, this same mindset of our Lord Jesus, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, Wherefore God has has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, He humbled Himself. Yes, He submitted Himself. He obeyed His Father. And His Father exalted Him. He is exalted on high. He deserves that exaltation because He is God. He deserves that praise and that glory simply because He is the I Am. But this exaltation, this glory that is that Paul is speaking of here is not because, is not because that he is the I am. It's not because he deserves it because he is God. This exaltation is because he earned it. He earned it in submission and obedience to the Father. He had to earn it because it's what He gives to you and I. It is that very righteousness that He earned that is extended to us because we cannot earn it ourselves. It is that righteousness that He obeyed the Father for that it might be extended to us. And because of this, God has exalted Him. Now, Paul goes to verse 12. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now that word wherefore takes us back to verse number 5. When he says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. That we would be humble. That we would be submissive. That we would be obedient to the Lord's direction. To His Word. To His guidance in our lives. That these things would be found in us. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus, let this mind be in you. And so He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed. And Paul says, Listen, I know. 
I know you all are obeying. And he's praising them here, this, this church at Philippi. He's praising them because it wasn't not only in Paul's presence that they were obedient, but they were obe- being obedient when Paul wasn't there. And Paul's telling them, listen, I, I appreciate that. I, that's a blessing to me, Paul says. That you all are obedient, even when I'm not there, even when I'm not present with you. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more, now much more in my absence. Paul is calling us here to be obedient. To be submissive unto God, humble, emptying ourselves of self. Emptying ourselves of self and being humble, not only before each other, but being humble before God. James chapter 4 James chapter 4 and verse number 6 and verse number 7. James 4 verse 6 and 7. Verse 5, he says, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. That's that old man. That's That's that old nature in us. It lusteth. To envy, he says. But he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves. Therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Obedient, submissive, humble. Then he says in verse 12 again, work out your own salvation. Now, Paul is not by any means telling us here, work for your salvation. That's not what he's saying. That's not what Paul believes. He's adamant about that reality. But rather he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Rather, we're not to work for, but we're to work because, you see. Those, as we, we've been discussing concerning uh, a, a, a month or so ago, we were talking about our faith and that, that faith being living in us, in, in Christ Jesus. If, if we have Him, if indeed He's our Lord, if indeed He's our Savior, we're going to be working for Him. His works are going to be seen in us. We can't help it. We can't help it because it's, it's part of His program of salvation. Paul says there in, in uh, verse 13 even, he says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You're going to work. If you're His, if you belong to Him, you're going to produce fruit. 
It's going to be seen in you. It's going to be seen in you. You're going to work because it's what He's saved us for. Ephesians chapter number 2. Paul says there in verse number 10 of that passage, after he tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, and that it's not of works, lest any man should boast, he says there in verse 10, for for we rather are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29. Romans chapter 8 verse number 29. He says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. He has predestinated us, predestinated us to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's going to be seen. If you belong to Him, it's going to work out in you, you see. It's going to be seen. Now we're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to fail him. We're going to come short. We're going to, we, because we are still fighting against this old nature. It's a reality that we are fighting against ourselves even as we live each and every day. But it's going to be seen in us nonetheless. It's going to be made evident not only to us, but to those around us. They will see that fruit of Christ in us. And so Paul says, let this mind be on you. Work out your own salvation. It'll be shown. It'll be seen. That working out is is worked out in us in the deliverance from our own guilt and our own condemnation. As we, we look at our failures, as we look at our shortcomings, as we look at our sins from the past as we look at our sins from right now and and we those things that weigh us down, those things of us that that plague us, those things that, that weigh heavy on our hearts even today, that working out is is that deliverance that Christ works in us. As he brings us, delivers us from that guilt, as he delivers us from from that condemnation. It's also the deliverance from sin's power in our own hearts. So easy to give it power. Or so easy. So easy to give it that power over us. We're entertaining, if we're holding on to it, if we're living in it, if we're if we're we're swimming around in it, it's it's gonna have power over you. It's going to have power over you. But in this working out that Paul is describing here as the Lord works in us, as He molds in us, as He transforms us, 
into the image that he is making us into. As he describes there in Romans 8.29, he can deliver us and will deliver us from the power of that sin. Did it not? It doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to control you. You have victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. It also works out in our ultimate deliverance when we have at last come into His presence, when we at last have received our glorified bodies that all of these other things that are a part of this life will not have any sign on us whatsoever. Make free, make clear of those things fully, fully made into the image of Christ Jesus our Lord. That is what He works out in us. And then He says, we, we see there some of these works as He goes, they go back up to verse number 2, as Paul describes some of these things that will be found in us here in Philippians 2 and verse 2. He says, uh, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Love and unity with God's people. Those are the things that are going to be working out in us as the children of God. Our love one for another. Our unity together. That is, That should be our desire in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fulfill you my joy. It should be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then number verse 3 there, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. That's going to be working out, upholding one another, lifting up one another. Above ourselves, even. That we, we don't trust ourselves with each other. That's not what we're to do. If we can, that's great. Amen. But I, our, our, the trust for me, the trust for myself, goes into my Lord. That's part of being submissive to Him. My identity, my identity is in Christ. I belong to Him. And so I have to give myself, my, my security, my protection, my hope, my needs, they all go into Christ. He's the one that's got me. And if He's the one that's got me, if He's the one I'm leaning on, if He's the one I'm depending on, if He's the one that I'm holding to, if He's the one I'm, I'm absolutely depending on for my safety, for my security, for my hope, for, for all that I need, if He's the one, then I can, I can put others before myself, you say. I can put others before me. Because I'm not having to worry about keeping me. He's got me. And so he says here that we are to exalt, exalt one another, lifting up one another. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4, he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also, also, on the things of others. We are to look at our own things, he says, but 
We're to look on each other's things as well. We're to look on each other's things as well. We're to be concerned with the lives of each other. We're to be praying for one another. We're to be encouraging one another. We're to be strengthening one another. When the time comes, we are to come alongside each other and help bear each other's burdens where we can help bear those burdens, as Paul would say in Galatians chapter 6. We're to be concerned with each other's lives because of our love for each other and our love for the Lord. You see. Because, because, as he says in verse number five, this is Jesus' mindset. This is how he thinks. And if this is how he thinks, that's how we ought to think, Paul says. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Now he goes on to say in verse 12 there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling because we serve, we live for, we are saved by the thrice holy God. He is all holy, He is all righteous, He is all right. He is all just. He is all powerful. He is to be feared. He is to be feared. We know Him in a special way as the children of God. We have a a special relationship with Him that in His love for us, the fear of condemnation The fear of His wrath is removed. Perfect love casteth out fear. We have His love, you see, and so it casts out that fear of our condemnation. It casts out that fear of our wrath. But Paul also points out to us that if we're not living for Him as we should, that He chastens His children. And for that reason, because of that chastening, there should still be then a fear in our hearts that we're living for Him, that we're serving Him, that we're not taking taking for granted His grace, that we're not making His grace cheap in our lives. But (coughs) this fear and trembling also comes back to us as well. As we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is reminding us here that, 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 that there should be a fear in us. As he will go on to say there in verse 13 right after this, there should be a fear in us. There should be a trembling in us that as we seek to work out, as we seek to do His bidding, as we seek to be obedient and submissive and humble before our God, there should be a fear and trembling in us that we are not trusting self to do it. 
That, that's, that's something that, that, that we truly need to get a hold of as God's children, that we're not trusting our own hearts, that we're not trusting our own wisdom, that we're not trusting our own strength. Oh, that's one I do all the time. I can do it. I've got the power. I've got the ability. I can do it, Lord. Look at me, I've got the strength. No, I don't. No, I do not. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know them? So we can't trust our hearts. Our wisdom is the wisdom of the world. And guess what? That's full of wickedness too. We can't trust our own wisdom on it. And strength... We ain't got none. And so when He's telling us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that fear and trembling is to remind us as I go, as I serve, as I do for my Lord, I can't trust me. I can't hold on to me. I can't say, me, let's do it. I can't do that. I've got to hold on to Christ. I've got to look to Him. I've got to abide in Him, He says. Because He says Himself, without me, ye can do nothing. So I have to hold on to Him. And so as I work out, my own salvation with fear and trembling. I have to remind myself, I can't trust me. I can't trust me. I can't look to me. I can't hold on to me. I have to hold on to Christ. I have to be dependent on Him. I have to trust Him because it is only in Him That I am able to do. That I am able to work. Only in Him. Verse 13. Paul said, and he he points this out here in this very next verse. Because he says, for it is God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If you're working it out. You're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's because God is working in you. And what He's working in you comes out of you. It's seen in your life. And so He is the one that works in us to will and to do. To will and to do. To want to do of His good pleasure, we are to do it trusting Him. And he goes on to say here in verse 14, without murmurings and disputings. That's so hard. Because we're still in the flesh. We understand that. We see that's the reality for us. But being in the flesh, we get tired. We get 
burdened down. We face struggles in this life. We face all these things that come at us from this life. And I mean they come at us from every angle. And the devil is always attacking God's people. And he attacks us in every way he can. He is always, I mean, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's always looking. He's always seeking. He's always desiring to tear you down. He's always desiring to destroy your life. He's always desiring to attack you. And so there's all sorts of burdens. There's all sorts of worries. There's all sorts of troubles. There's all sorts of things that are operating against us in this old sinful world. And because of all those things operating against us, sometimes, oftentimes, it's hard for us as the children of God to see the positive. Oftentimes, it is hard for us as the children of God to see God working. Our focus is on the waves. Our focus is on the wind. Our focus is on the storm. And we don't see the master of the wind standing there with us. We only see the trouble. We only see the trials. We only see the hurts. We only see the pains. We only see the sorrows. We only see the we only see the 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 the, the, the need for rest. We only see the busyness. And so we start to complain. And we start to murmur. And we start whining to God. Sometimes we know better than to whine to Him, but we'll whine to everybody else, won't we? We see the children of Israel doing this over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. I mean, God chasing them for it, severely chasing them for it because of their their murmurings and complainings against them. He was blessing them, pouring out blessings to them every single day. He put the food on the ground. They had to go out. All they had to do was go out and pick it up. Every day. He provided everything they needed. And they complained about His provision. They're tired of this stuff that God is giving me. I don't want this stuff that God is giving me. I want something more. I want something better. And we begin to murmur and complain. And we look at them. We see them doing it. And it, it turns our stomachs. My goodness, what are them, those people crazy? 
But the pillar of cloud was there before them during the day. The pillar of fire by night. They could see God's presence right there with them. They watched as He parted the Red Sea. They watched as He ground Pharaoh and all of his army. They watched as He gave them water from the rock. They watched as He gave them food from heaven. They watched all of these miracles. They watched all of these wonders. And yet they complained about how He gave it to them. And we look at that and say, my goodness. My goodness, look at them complain. Look at them murmur against God. Do they not see? And yet you get us in the right place. You get us in the right position. You get us every day complaining and murmuring against God. Lord, I work so hard for you. Lord, look what I do for you. Look, look at all the effort that I put in this, and this is all you give me in return. Lord, look, look at how hard I've worked for you. Look, look at how I've served you today, and, and this is the best you can bless me with. Lord, look at all the effort that I put in. Lord, look at all the strength that I have for you. Look at all that I, I work to do for you. And then you allow this trial in my life. We murmur. We complain. Paul says, let this mind be in you. Oh, it's hard. Which also was in Christ Jesus. Be humble. Be obedient. Submit yourselves to your God. Let, let Him work. Let Him work. Let Him work. Trust Him. Paul says we are, or the Scripture says I should say, that we are to live by faith. The just live by faith. There's much to murmur and complain about. We can find all kinds of things. But we're to live by faith. That faith means we're trusting God. We're trusting Him no matter what comes our way. That we trust Him. That we've submitted ourselves to Him. Lord, work. Lord, work. Verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 
We are made, in Christ Jesus, we are made the lights for the world to see Jesus in us. And as we work out, as we, as we do these things that he's talking about there in verse number 12 and verse number 13, as God works in us, as he, he moves in our lives, as he works his will in us, we shine forth to this world. And so he says we're, we're to shut our mouths, we're not to be murmuring, we're not to be disputing, so that we can be blameless and harmless and that light of Christ shines through us. The world should not be able to accuse you of murmuring and complaining against God. The world should not be able to accuse you of open and rebellious sin against God. The world should not be able to accuse you of hypocrisy. That should not be the case. Rather, we are to shine forth the light of Christ. We are to be lights to this world. He says that we are to be blameless and harmless. Blameless that they not be able to condemn us, that they not be able to point to anything in us. And harmless... In the sense that the world should not be able to accuse us of cruelty. They should not be able to accuse us of hate and revenge. Now they will. (laughs) They will. But there should be no merit to that charge. But rather, they should see the love of Christ Jesus shining in us. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth, he says in verse number 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have run, not run rather, in vain, neither labored in vain. Holding forth the word of life. It is the banner that goes before us. We're to hold fast to God's Word. Hold fast to His Word. We can trust it. We can believe it. Hold it. Hold fast to it. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. He's made you. He's made your personality. He providentially has worked to bring to pass the things in your life to make you more like Him. He is building and making you. And He's not done yet. He's not done yet. I know that because you're still here. You're still here. And as long as we're in this flesh, He continues to work on us. He continues to make us. He continues to mold us. He continues to conform us to His image. Paul is simply telling us here, while He is molding, 
while he is making have the same mind of Christ Jesus. Be obedient, be humble, and be submissive to God and His Word. Obedient, humble, submissive. That is the mind of Christ. And that is to be the mind of His people. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed tonight.